Uh, it's, uh, isn't it great to finally have a taste of summer this morning, don't you think, guys? Isn't that, uh, thank you, God, for the sunshine. Um, this morning we're going to be talking about relationships, and we hope to do so in a creative way. I'm going to uh, introduce the topic in, in, for just a, a couple of minutes, and then I'm going to invite my wife up here, and we're going to answer some of the questions we have been asked over the years about uh, marriage, family, relationship, parenting, all those kind of things, and we're, we're hoping to do that kind of creatively. It means that I get to sit down today. It's awesome. Um, to start us off, why don't we just pause and let's pray. Uh, before we even got going this morning, Angel, I had Angel come up and sit up here, and we almost had an argument over where the seats were going to go, and I thought, man, having a, an argument just in the middle of actually doing this would not be a good way to start, so... I forgive you, hon. Just trying to model. Just trying to model here. Bow your heads with me and let's pray. Father, uh, we are amazed at your goodness, God. While there may be trouble swirling all around us in the world around us, even maybe in our own homes, our own families, our own city, God, uh, you're our rock. And you're our anchor. And today we come before you and, and want to just, uh, again, look to you for wisdom and insight on how to live. God, Jesus told us that he was the life. And so we believe that uh, he's not just going to give us clues on this. He's going to actually uh, lead us in this. And so, Lord, we're looking for your leadership today. So would you meet us in this time? We, we, uh, we just dedicate these next minutes to you and ask that you would uh, continue to do the work you're doing in our hearts and our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our relationships. We, in, we invite you into those things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The passage I just want to very briefly uh, touch on this morning is John 13, 34 to 35 where Jesus said to his disciples, he said, a new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I don't know about you, but I would have loved to have been in the room when Jesus said those words. He was with his closest friends, his disciples who'd followed him. This was on the night that Jesus was betrayed. This is the night before he would go to the cross and he's saying these words. They'd followed him for three and a half years. They had learned to trust in him. They'd learned to believe that he was the Messiah, the Son of God. And here Jesus says to them, a new command I give to you. And these guys are Torah boys. These are boys who grew up knowing the Old Testament. They would have had memorized the Ten Commandments, probably much of, of the five first books of the Bible. And here they're their Lord is saying to them, a new command I give to you. And they're waiting on the edge of their seats as he's going to say it. And he says, love one another. I mean, think about all the things Jesus could have said. Go build something. Go do something. He's, love one another. What a great command. Sometimes I, I think sometimes we get hung up on, on things in Scripture that are, are far less uh, important on the priority scale and we don't treat this one as seriously as Jesus intended for us to treat it. It's funny to me. Um, apologist uh, Michael Ramson was once on a retreat with some Christians. And he was elaborating on this whole theme of, 
of loving one another, loving one's neighbor, and, and he led them in an exercise when he asked them to close their eyes and imagine peace. And after a few seconds, the audience was invited to share their, their mental pictures of peace. Uh, one person described a field with flowers and, and, and beautiful trees. Uh, another person spoke of uh, snow-capped mountains and kind of an incredible alpine landscape. Uh, still another described a, a beautiful scene of a, a nice still lake. And after everyone described their, their mental pictures of peace, there was one thing in common in all of them. There was no people in them. <laughs> you know? And Ramson comedy says, isn't it interesting, when asked to imagine peace, the first thing we do is eliminate everybody else. <laughs> I, I wonder if some of us might share that idea that I could just have peace if there wasn't for all these people. Um, as we've looked many times here at Hillside, uh, all through Scripture, right from the very beginning and all through, there's this emphasis on relationships. And we, we are created relationally. We are relational beings because God is a relational God, as we've looked at recently. God is a trinity. There's been this community going on since the beginning of time. God is not, not just one. He's also three. And so we're made in his image, and so we relate to one another. In fact, I find it interesting in the Old Testament, six out of the ten Old Testament commandments, six, six of the ten commandments have to do with relating to each other well. It's pretty significant on God's priority list is how we relate to one another. Move forward to the New Testament. You've got Jesus, all his commands about relationship. The, the New Testament authors, the church, as they wrestled with Jesus' commands, they, they came up with something like 50 one another statements in, in, in terms of how we treat one another. And we're meant to do it well. Uh, Apostle Paul says, this is one that stood out to me this week. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient Bearing with one another in love. Guys, if we, just, if we just did that, that one, that line right there, that would revolutionize our city. That, that would absolutely turn our families upside. If we just did that line, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. And he goes on to say, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Um, Relationship, marriage, uh, family, community, uh, parenting, all these things, th these are all great gifts. And, and yet they're a, a, uh, these are gifts that require complete humility and gentleness and patience to experience well. Paul says make every effort. Paul says it's, it requires effort to do this. I, I like how Eugene Peterson uh, talks about this. By the way, it's my goal uh, anytime I speak in the next year just to include a Eugene Peterson quote every single Sunday. So just so you know, it's my, my new goal. He says this, I decide every day to set aside what I can do best and attempt to do what I do very clumsily. Open myself up to the frustrations and failures of loving Daring to believe that failing in love is better than succeeding in pride. Great words. So to start us off, I'd like to introduce my wife, Angel. Angel, come on up here. Uh, if you're newer to Hillside, uh, you haven't met her. She's a pretty quiet, um, reserved individual, very behind the scenes, never in your face about anything. Uh, for you, those of you, that was sarcasm. For those of you who don't speak that language. Um, 
Angel, I'm going to ask you a few questions uh, to get started. Okay, I'm turning without my... Without your... <laughs> okay. Here, we'll just... No, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to help you. Okay. I'll work around it. You'll work around it? Yeah. Tell me this, who is your favorite husband? Uh, let me think about that for a bit. Um... Well, people are often, uh, one of the first questions uh, people ask me is, where are you from? You're a curious looking woman. <laughs> I'm originally from Sri Lanka. Cool. Tell us about your family. Uh, uh, my mom lives in Toronto. My dad passed away seven years ago, uh, nine years ago. And I'm one of three sisters. Um, I have one sister living in Toronto and my other one lives in Australia. Tell us the quick skinny on how you met your favorite husband. I met him in university. I uh, went to Wilfrid Laurier University, uh, and I met him there. First time I met Angel, I kid you not, I came away after like three minutes and said, I think she's the one I'm supposed to marry. And I didn't think that. <laughs> tell, tell him what your first thought was. I thought when I, the first time I met Devin, I thought, who is this obnoxious drunk? <laughs> and he, he, he didn't, yeah, he no, wasn't that's drunk. Enough. I think we don't want to hear from you for the rest of the morning. <laughs> Let's give Angel a hand, everyone, as she sits down. <laughs> Not just. Um, you're a multitasker. I, I know you're involved in lots of things, but what is your profession? Uh, I'm an accountant, and I work from home uh, since I've had my boys, so, yeah. By the way, uh, just uh, let me make this clear. She does not do taxes. I used to do tax returns, but now I just stick with corporate accounting. We so. get asked all the time, hey, can you do my taxes? And we say, no, every time. Uh, what is your favorite thing to do for fun? I know taxes is not your favorite thing to do for fun. No, what what no. is your favorite thing um, to do for fun? I love to decorate, uh, interior decorating. Um, I love to arrange flowers. I love to have tea with my friends. And here I thought it was cuddling with your husband. So disappointing. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what our household looks like right now. Um, well, I married Devin 24 years ago. Uh, we have two boys, 18 and 16. One is on his way out. Um, people assume because uh, we are in a pastor's home, our home is calm and peaceful and we have it together. We don't. Um, <laughs> We're not even sure people assume that with us. <laughs> We're not even sure. Some days it is chaos, out of control. Uh, we are annoyed, angry, uh, disappointed, hurt, sometimes not very nice to each other. We are just like every other family. Cool. Um, thinking about our marriage, Angel, what would you say is, from your perspective, one of the strengths of our marriage? We still have fun together. We enjoy each other's company. Um, people think that's because we have lots of chemistry. Uh, that's because we, we really work on our marriage. Uh, we really do. Uh, Devin and I like iron sharpening iron. Uh, we sharpen and push each other to grow. Am I echoing? Oh, no. Okay. Uh, we push each other to grow. Sure. What would you say is a, a growth of our marriage? Growth area, a weakness. Well, when iron sharpens iron, there's sparks, right? <laughs> um, resolving conflict, 
um, I would say is an area that we could grow in quite a bit. Uh, we are very passionate, strong-minded people. Um, when I'm not so rooted in God's love and his identity, I could be uh, very stubborn and selfish. Um, the other one is uh, quality time in our daily routine. Um, that's something we could grow in. Yeah, for sure. What, what do you think, uh, when you look back at the times of our marriage, we've been married now 24 years, what were the challenging times in our married life? Most challenging. Uh, there are seasons in marriage, right? Um, when our kids were younger than five, I felt like it was winter season. Those of you who uh, have young kids know that. You feel emotionally, emotionally drained all the time because you're giving out. Um, the other one was uh, when the boys are teen, uh, teen years. Lots of decision to be made. Uh, most of them by them, and not all of them are wise choices, and you wish you could strangle them, and you can't. Uh, you wish you could control them, and you can't. Um, and, uh, and sometimes even the way to deal with their issues or their decisions, uh, sometimes Devin and I don't see to eye, so, um, so that, those could be some challenging, challenging times, yeah. Uh, let me ask you, Thank uh, you. What do you, when you think about improving our marriage relationship, what have been some of the keys to that for you? Um, thanks for asking. Uh, I think some of the keys, uh, when I think of, uh, I, I often have thought of um, marriage like a, a, a fire in a fireplace, if you can imagine, that you can let it go down unless you're tending it and actually, you know, adding logs and, and stirring it and maybe fanning the flames a little bit. I, I've often thought of it as like a, a bank account where you, you make deposits and you make withdrawals and you just want to make sure that your deposits exceed the withdrawals. And we have a, a saying in our relationship about going into relational overdraft, where uh, you're in the hole, you're kind of owing, and, and it means when you're in overdraft, uh, somebody does something that would normally not irritate you, it, it becomes very irritating. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that's been a, a helpful metaphor for me, is, is, is maybe we're in overdraft, and so thinking of ways that we can actually feed or fuel our relationship um, dating is a, is a fairly significant thing. I am surprised by how many couples stop dating when they get married. Uh, it, it actually shocks me because I, I meet you, I, I say you, I'm, I'm kind of accusing you now because I know many of you just don't do this. And I'm kind of thinking, this is like not rocket science. Uh, what you did at first, uh, there in Revelation it says, keep on doing. Remember your first love. Like, and so uh, for us, Dating and having a regular, we have kind of a, a set date night. It's not absolute, but we know that at least twice a month we're going to have a, a just time by ourselves on a special romantic outing. Uh, sometimes we do it now with uh, another couple on one of those off nights, but once a week we're going on some kind of date, and uh, that's been important. Um, I would say Angel hit on it already, quality time, daily time. We're just recognizing I, I am personally better at planning dates than I am at attending the quality time day by day. Like, like actually just saying to Angel, hey, do you want to sit down and have tea for half an hour and talk? That, that's something where I find I get distracted. When I'm home, I'm thinking about 
uh, either work or I'm thinking about jobs I need to do at home. And uh, so sometimes the quality daily relating is, is a stress for us. And I'd say that's important. Uh, and we're, we're learning to, to, to practice that more. Um, dealing with unresolved conflict, unfinished business. Uh, I think guys are a little e more e easily able to compartmentalize problems in your relationship. You can kind of forget about it, sweep it under the rug. Um, at, at least with Angel, she's not able to compartmentalize. If, if our relationship is strained, it's not like we can expect there to be any action in the bedroom. <laughs> Just saying. That's on her mind. Like, like the conflict is foremost in, in her mind. Like we can't expect to, to uh, have a, a healthy relationship unless we're actually addressing the conflict in our, in our, in our relationship. Um, I would say learning each other's love languages. I won't get into that too much, but uh, knowing that our, we have different ways of relating or receiving and giving love. And uh, we've spent some time, our marriage course that we're gonna be putting on in the next number of months deals with that. And uh, that's been a huge help for us. Um, lastly, I'd say regular uh, marriage enrichment. Any new couple that I'm, I'm helping to get married, I want to talk to them about a, a marriage, a, a relationship enrichment plan. You, you got to be thinking, what can we do to actually strengthen our marriage? And so when we were first married, we, we would actually buy, because it was new to us, we would buy marriage books and we would read each a chapter a week and we'd set aside an hour to talk through a chapter of a book. And we went through a number of books and, and that was really, really helpful. Um, we've gone to just about every type of marriage conference that exists. Uh, and so we do that, we go to marriage weekends and uh, we actually would suggest uh, that you consider doing that if you're married, uh, to get away for a marriage weekend. Those are awesome. Um, we also uh, offer the marriage course here at, at Hillside. We do that every once in a while. We haven't done it in a while. Our intention is in the next 12 months to offer the marriage course. And uh, it's excellent. Great tools, great reminders. We've taken that class about six times. This, this fall, November 4th to 6th, Angel and I are going to be leading the way. We would like to invite you to come with us to Barnabas over on Keats Island. Barnabas is one of our favorite places. They do amazing marriage weekends. And on that weekend, they've got a, a, a couple from Vancouver who we know uh, is just excellent. And they do this luxurious getaway weekend. You're, you're on the ocean front. They feed you really well. You're, 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 it's just awesome. And it's, uh, I think it's about $400. It's all inclusive for a weekend. And it's excellent. And so that's happening uh, this fall. There's actually two of them. And if you can't make that weekend, look on their website. I'm just going to encourage you. We'll have more information in weeks to come, but I'm going to encourage you to just register for that. We're going to be registering for that. Spaces will fill up, and uh, please consider coming with us this fall for a marriage enrichment weekend. What can married people do to affair-proof their marriage? That's a harder question. Back to step one, as, as what I already say, um, the old adage is, marry the one you love, love the one you marry right? Uh, grass is not always greener on the other side of the fence. Grass is greener where you water it. So water the grass of your marriage. Like actually be intentional about some of those things I just talked about, like adding fuel to your relationship. That will help. Uh, a healthy marriage usually isn't susceptible to the temptations of, of an affair. Let me say, and, and this is probably a more important uh, idea to get, is that everyone is vulnerable to this. Everyone. I mean, Billy Graham used to have an accountability partner. 
Billy Graham used to not, when he was traveling doing evangelistic crusades, he would not travel alone. He'd have a, a roommate come with him so that he would never be in a hotel room in a, for, in, a, in a faraway city by himself, feeling lonely and sorry for himself so that he might be tempted. He, that, so, so no one is, is invulnerable to this. The, the, the lie of the enemy, I think, is that an affair would never happen to you. Uh, so admit it, and then as, as uh, they say, make good decisions around your relationship. As someone once said, no one goes into an affair wanting to have an affair. It's a sequence of, of small decisions. It's, it's steps that you take that are in the wrong direction. So we need, we need boundaries. We need fences to kind of protect our relationship. One example for me, uh, years ago, I was carpooling with a volunteer to, to the office here, and uh, it, she was a woman. And her only way to get to the, the church was, was actually, we, were, we lived in the same, similar neighborhoods, and so I picked her up and, and, and drove her just a couple, couple days a week. She came and worked at the office. And this went on for a few weeks, and then I, I kind of recognized, I, I realized as we're doing this, is that I was having, some days, this is when our kids were really young, we were really busy at home, realized that that we were having, I was having more meaningful conversations on a daily basis or a weekly basis sometimes with this other woman than I was with my own wife. And uh, that set up uh, a whole evaluation of what I did as a pastor, and uh, I, I cut that off. I, I, unfortunately, we lo- actually lost a volunteer out of the deal because she couldn't get to the church, but that was more important to me than, than having... Uh, than, than being vulnerable to anything happening, just realizing that I was vulnerable to, to those kind of things. Um, we have boundaries around uh, appointments uh, with the opposite sex. We have boundaries around social media. Uh, I, I don't private message any old girlfriend uh, of mine, all those kind of things. Uh, I'm, we're, we are, are really careful around things like texting and so on. I, again, let me say this, half the battle is just keeping opportunities at bay, like, like actually not having the opportunity, not being vulnerable to that. And, and let me say this, if you, are, if you kind of feel like you are vulnerable in this area, which I, I think many of us could be, um, get help, have accountability, seek a friend to maybe uh, ask you about this, how you doing, uh, walk this out with somebody. It's, it's, uh, it's something that you want to, um, to really uh, be proactive about, not reactive to. You don't want to wait till you're in trouble. By the way, let me just say you are in trouble. It doesn't automatically mean if you fall into, a divorce, into an adultery, it doesn't automatically mean divorce. We have seen, and it's, it's been here in this church, we've seen people walk through recovery in this area. And, and there's, uh, there's great resources we can put in your hands. If you have an issue in this area, please feel free to talk to me. I'd be happy to have a confidential conversation with you. And, and uh, we'd love to, to resource you and help you and, and walk that through. So that's about that. We are talking a lot about marriage here. Yeah? What would you say to the singles that are here this morning? Okay, well, let me see this. say this. In modern church life, singles can often feel like they're on the margins. Uh, marriage is often held up as, as the, the greatest example of, of life is the married life, and singleness is not so much. Can I say this? That's not the view of scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's not elevated. It, singleness, singleness is actually elevated. Uh, the Apostle Paul, I think, preferred singleness 
uh, to marriage. And, and there's many examples, our Lord himself, of those who, who lived fulfilled single lives. And, and I want to encourage you that. And, and I just want to say, I know there's all kinds of different singles in our midst. There's those who who are single because they really choose to be. They've never wanted to get married. There are singles that, that desperately want to get married but haven't found the right partner, possibly. There are, there are those who were, once were married. Maybe they got divorced or maybe they lost their, their spouse and their widows or widowers. So there's a, a real um, diverse group of, of singles in our midst. And, and, and I want to say this. Where we have as a congregation inadvertently put you on the margins in any way, shape, or form, can I, as a leader in this church, apologize to you for that? Uh, we genuinely love you. And uh, it just so happens it, it's frustrating. And almost we should hire a single person to be the lead pastor so that you would feel, you get to hear from us today. And we're going to talk out of our experience. And we're going to talk mostly about mar- marriage and parenting. But um, that's, a, that's not a choice on our part. But I just want to say we affirm you. And, and we want to be the kind of place that's hospitable, and let me say that. I, no one has a corner on trouble. Can I just say this? Married folk get into trouble all the time. It's true. We do. Singles get into trouble too. We all need, I mean, married folk might be a, a, a one type of a relational issue. Uh, it might be a little bit more unique for, for single folk. I think of the challenge, unique challenges that, that singles have. How do you practice celibacy? How do you, you maintain spiritual purity? How do you deal with loneliness? That's, all that is a sermon in itself. But let me say this, and, and again, this is an inadequate answer to the question this morning, but community is going to be key. Us loving one another and, and us being a, a welcoming body. Uh, we, we try not to have small groups that are just made up of married couples. We want to be, uh, have small groups that are diverse and, and expressive of who we are as a congregation. So that's, that's the large thing. I'd say pursue friendships, and, and we want to affirm your calling and, and maybe your freedom. Some of you, because you're, you're single, you have freedom to serve in ways like the Apostle Paul did and others uh, in church history. Uh, we want to affirm that and, and cheer you on. That's all I can say probably on that topic this morning. Angel, we're going to change gears and talk about parenting. Tell us, what do you love about being a parent? I love this quote uh, I've heard. uh, Before I got married, I had six theories about parenting. Now I have six children, and I have no theories. (laughs) Parenting uh, is the best um, and most fulfilling thing I've ever done. But parenting is incredibly hard uh, because you are emotionally, relationally, mentally, invested in these kids. Um, So it could be very hard. Um, Somebody reminded me, um, when Caleb was born, uh, we brought him home, and the first Sunday, Devin and I got married, and we didn't have children for five years, so we got used to this life on our own. And then we brought Caleb home, and that Sunday I realized after church, I couldn't have a nap which I'm used to having after service. And it just dawned on me, this baby is completely, completely dependent on me. And when that thought just dawned, I said to Devin, 
Devin, I can't wait for Caleb to go to university. <laughs> and, and he said to me, Angel, we just brought him home from the hospital. <laughs> now she but, can't stand to see but, him go. <laughs> but then I want to talk to you about my uh, last month, I took Caleb to school um, for the last day of his high school. I dropped him off at uh, school and I was driving home. And I sobbed and I sobbed and I sobbed and I cried all the way home. I'm sure if somebody saw me, they thought I was insane. Uh, just realizing that season of my life with him is done. And uh, parenting is incredibly humbling. Uh, nothing has grown me more than being a mom, especially about uh, the nature of God. Um, I remember very clearly once, uh, Caleb must have been four or five. Um, he did something wrong and I just lashed out on him in anger. And, uh, you know, and then immediately, as a mother, you know you've done wrong, right? And so after about a little while, I went to him and I said, Caleb, I am so sorry. No one should ever, ever shout at you. And, uh, and he looked at me and I said, would you forgive me? And uh, he said, Mom, I, I do. I forgive you. And you know, Mothers, we beat ourselves up for the things that we have done wrong. And I was like, how could you forgive me? And so I asked him, Caleb, how could you forgive me? And you know, he looked at me with those brown eyes and he said, because I love you, mom. And you know, as soon as he said that, I could almost hear God's voice saying to me, when you mess up, that's why I forgive you, because I love you. If, uh, if you are looking for a parenting resource, one of the good books I found was very, very helpful to me was uh, Grace-Based Parenting. It's a good book. So, um, How about you, Devin? Favorite thing about parenting? Um, I would say in my family growing up, uh, we, we talked, but we never talked about anything that really was important kind of any of the deep stuff about life, really. And uh, I love now, in, in our family context, we've grown a habit of, of talking about uh, real things, deep things, and uh, had great conversations with our kids. We talk about stuff. Uh, thinking back to my childhood, my youth especially, um, I learned most of what I knew then about sex and sexuality through Playboy and Penthouse. That's, that's what I learned, where I learned about sexuality. And it, it's been the most incredible privilege for me to talk to my sons about sex and sexuality, at, at, particularly at strategic times. Some of my, some of my, literally my favorite moments as a human being were, were conversations I had with my son as we walked on a beach or we walked on a path, never face to face, because you don't want to look at each other in, in the eyes in those moments. <laughs> You really don't. Awkward. Um, but as we walked along, I, I sensed as I was able to talk and unpack these, sexuality is such a sacred gift, and yet 
we don't talk about it. And, and it's, uh, I felt like I was in on something holy as I shared with my kids those things. And, and being able to, talk, if you can talk about that, you really can just about talk about anything with your kids. We talk about difficult emotions. We try to wrestle those things through. Let me just, uh, I, one thing I've learned about that, the difference between quality and quantity time. Some of us might, might think that all you need is quality time with one another where you're talking deep stuff. Um, particularly with our, one of our sons, it doesn't happen, or, or get, like it doesn't ha- you can't just sit down and start talking about deep things. You have to spend a long time together, and, and then those moments pop up, and you gotta pounce on those moments. And uh, we, I think we've been learning as, as a family to, to actually, when those moments come, pounce on them. Like, like, and sometimes it's at inconvenient times. Uh, late at night, uh, the boys come in to say goodnight, and they hop onto the bed, and a topic opens up, and you just want to close your eyes and go to sleep, but they're suddenly open to talking about the girl they're interested in and the relationship that they're in that, where there's trouble. And in those moments, you got to just say, I will sleep later. I'll catch up on that. And, and you, you pounce on those moments. And I'd say that's just generally. So we uh, have intentionally planned long road trips where you're stuck in a vehicle together for, for eight hours and those great conversations happen. One tip on that is don't eat chili before you do that. <laughs> That's deeper than you want to go. That's all I'm saying. Angel, sometimes, uh, surprisingly to us, but sometimes people have said our boys look like twins. We know that they're very, very different. Uh, what were the challenge, challenges of parenting very different kids? You know, in Proverbs, it says, uh, teach a child in the way they should go, and when they are grown up, they would not depart from it. But if you look at the original Hebrew there, it's teach them according to their grain. Like if you look at a wood piece, you know, you can see the grain. It goes this way or this way. So it says, teach them according to the way they were made. And we learned very early on that our boys were quite different, um, what worked for one didn't work for the other. Um, you know, uh, for punishment uh, discipline, uh, we gave Caleb uh, lines to write, uh, from usually from Proverbs. I would give him Proverbs 19 or something like that, and he would have to sit and write lines. And, you know, he would say to me, Mom, why don't you spank me 50 times? Uh, because for him, this punishment was worse. So, but for Noah, it was very different. Like, you could, if, if you sent him to a quiet corner, he just felt like life was falling apart. While you sent Caleb to a corner, he was having a good time. He was, you know, talking to himself and uh, making up a story. So, we had to figure out what worked for one wasn't really a punishment for the other. Um, the other thing we did at church was uh, personality. Uh, Mark Warren came and talked about it. And uh, Caleb did that test when he was 12. Myers-Briggs is what we're talking about. Uh, Myers-Briggs. Um, and uh, it was actually quite revolutionary in our family when we figured out what was our personality. Caleb is an ENFP, so he's a big picture guy. I am an ENFJ, and I have order to my life. And I, Durban is an ENFP. So they are just all over the map. And We're lovely. <laughs> and, you know, to know that they are very different than me, 
was a good thing and it was so releasing for Caleb because I was trying to make Caleb to be like me and it wasn't ever going to happen and I think he felt totally inadequate uh, because of that and like for an example uh, you know, if I say, oh, how much is the field trip? He would say, oh, 20 bucks. And then I find out the field trip is $17.25. And I'm like, he tried to cheat me for $2.75. <laughs> and so in my mind, I would go, there is like honesty issue here. <laughs> but, you know, and then when Mark Warren was teaching on personality, that's the first example he gave was, you know, you ask the J and they would say, oh, it was $17.26. And you ask a, a P, they would say, oh, 20 bucks. And so even to know those differences uh, was very releasing. It, was, it released Caleb quite a bit. Uh, the other one is if you have strong-willed children. That's another whole ball game together. Um, mm, I remember, um, you know, I would go to ladies' morning out or any events or where there's mums with kids. You know, others would sit and, you know, color and play nicely with their dolls. Not my kids. My kids were jumping off the walls and tearing things apart and not listening and you're kind of going. And I would go, God, why can't my children be obedient? Why can't my children be listening to me and do like what other children do? And I remember uh, one day I felt the Lord really challenge me. He said, do you want an obedient child? Because I've given you a leader. You need to learn how to raise him. And for me, it was very good to hear that because then, otherwise I would have broken his spirit you know, wanting him to obey me. And so I find parenting is a constant dialogue with the Lord going, God, what do I do? Because I have no idea what to do. So um, anyway. Over to me. Yeah. Um, let me ask you a question. Um, we are in a screen and technology-oriented world. Any thoughts around family family life and technology. I know we have struggled with it, work on, worked on it, so any uh, thoughts on that? My thought is to do Pokemon Go as a family. <laughs> Be a family kind of event thing. Some of you are going, I have no idea what you're talking about. Go onto the internet and rate research. Uh, it's actually not that interesting. Um, <laughs> we, uh, Angel said, this is a big area, and uh, I'd, I'd love to do a seminar on this. Uh, sometime in the next number of months we'll do something like this to interact with parents who are, who are wrestling with this. And so there's no easy answers. Quick thoughts. Uh, we have made a point of participating in our boys' music. Um, they, they're going to listen to me. Whatever you listen to at home, they're going to be listening to different things outside the home. They're going to be making different choices. Walk with them through that uh, and, and listen to music together and, and, and make those decisions. We watch films together. We have a family film night every week. Uh, usually Sunday night we're watching a film, and, but we never watch a film without having, we have this discipline to go with it, is we discuss it afterwards and talk about it. We talk about what, were the, what was the message that was coming through in that? What are they saying? What does that say about God? What does that say about our world? Is that true? Uh, is that good? 
Uh, would you think this is a, a, the kind of movie we'd want to recommend to our friends? There's all these kind of questions. Uh, who is the Christ figure in that film? I love asking that question. Who is the most like Jesus in that film? And so teaching them, equipping them really to be able to evaluate and, and consider what they're, they're, uh, they're seeing, as opposed to what, what I grew up with was just don't watch it, right? And I think God gave you a brain with which you can use to evaluate and actually discern and wrestle through these things. Um, we also, I just say this is important, we practice limits around technology. Uh, studies show, for instance, that kids just get, get better grades if they're not playing video games during the week on school nights. So we made that decision. No, no video games, no television on, on school nights. So Monday to Thursday, there's no TV. Thursday, Friday afternoon, they come home, they can turn on the video games. Funny, by teaching our kids to fast, uh, you'd think they would gorge on the weekends, uh, and actually they just have developed other habits, and they're not as engaged with, with it maybe as they could be. Um, that said, it's more than I'd love for them to be involved. I mean, it's everywhere. If they're not, uh, our kids go to a tablet driven school. Every child is required to have a tablet, uh, a, a computer tablet. And so they're, they're needing to learn. Same thing, uh, they're needing to, to learn to discern and evaluate. So we practice limits. Um, I would say uh, be realistic as well where screen, the screen can lead. I'm talking porn here. I'm talking unhealthy relationships, those kind of texting relationships that you hear about, those kind of things. Uh, so we're really watchful. We have our kids do their homework. When they need to do homework on a screen, they're doing it in, a, in our kitchen, uh, in our dining room, uh, where they can be seen. Uh, we have internet filter. We have a program called OpenDNS that helps uh, filter our internet. Good for any household, period, not just for those with kids. Uh, we think it's very important to have it if you're going to have both children and teenagers having access to the internet, have some control over what they do. We uh, don't let kids bring their devices into their bedrooms. We don't have, they don't have any screens in their bedrooms ever. That's just a taboo. So that's uh, a little bit about what we're learning. And this is one I'd love to unpack with you sometime, and, and we'll uh, have an opportunity to do that because I don't feel like we have the answers. It would be nice to collaborate as a community around that particular issue. Angel, uh, we're running out of time. Maybe we'll Sadly. do the last question, eh? Yeah, let's, let's skip to the, the very end, yeah, shall we? Yeah, fi final thoughts. Give us your final thought, your final... Oh, you going to do that. You're going to give that to me? Yeah, you do your final thought and I'll... I'm going to give you my final thought. <laughs> For a few years, as I said earlier, Angel and I have facilitated the marriage course together um, and uh, done it over and over again. And, and the kind of neat thing about facilitating, it's kind of video-driven. And so when we've actually done it, Angel and I sit there and participate. We have the, our, our participants' manuals, and we go through it every time. But we use the same manual every time, and we walk through the same material. We did this probably five or six times. We went through the marriage course, walking through the material. Do you know what our observation was from going through that marriage course material, which gave you all these tools, how to improve your relationship? We were a little bit better each time in, in, in some of those areas that were really a growth area for us. We saw incremental growth. And I would just say, progress in our relationships is usually going to be slow. It's going to take time. And so just because it, it, your relationship is maybe not where you want it to be, set the trajectory in the right direction. 
I'd say, and, and do what you can do to, to set it in the right direction, but it's going to take time and it's going to be, progress is going to be slow. That, that has given me hope. The other thing is just, um, I was contemplating this week, it was, it's been a really challenging week for me, uh, relationally in some ways, uh, contemplating a, a relationship that is very difficult for me. And uh, I was praying and I actually just asked God, I said, Lord, I need wisdom to how to know how to deal with this person. And it's one of those times again where, where I just almost heard a word from God, okay? This is what he said. And I just felt it's relevant for you this morning. It was re it's relevant for me. Do everything with gentleness and respect. And, and I thought, man, if, if in our marriages, uh, with our kids, uh, with um, all the relationships we have with our friends, with our workmates, if we're able to practice that again, do everything with gentleness and respect. If we could be gentle in the way we tell the truth to others, if we could be uh, respectful of others, uh, it's funny, uh, so many marriages that I count, get an opportunity to counsel and see is they've lost, they, they, they respect the rest of the world in some senses, but they don't respect the one they married. And uh, so respect the people that God has put in your life. Treat them with gentleness. They deserve that. They're made in God's image. That's my final word. Over to you. Um, everything boils down to Jesus, doesn't it? I find... The gospel of Jesus transforms us. It transforms me. You know, the good news of Jesus is that we are so sinful, evil, and flawed that Jesus had to die for us. We are so lost and broken, nothing less than the death of the Son of God could save us. But here's the good news. We are so loved and so valued that the God of the universe was willing to die for us. The more you get to know that good news, that's what's going to change you. The more you get to know this Jesus and him infiltrating every crevice of your being into your soul, the more you get to know him, you would know that he is for you. He's not against you. He is good. His plans for you are good, more than you think. Then you understand he is amazing. His, his good news humbles us to the dust, but also exalts us to the heavens. Um, I find that God has seen the bo bottom of my heart. I don't have to pretend ever. He knows everything about me. When I know that he has seen the bottom of my heart and he loves me to the stars, that changes me. That gives me the power. When my kids disappoint me, I could love them. When my spouse hurts me deeply, it gives me the power to forgive. And I find when a family life is like a pressure cooker, right? All your um, flaws, your brokenness, your sinfulness, your anger, everything comes out in the family life. But I find grace gets worked out, fleshed out, 
first in the family and in your close relationship. So I find that's what gives me hope. Jesus is what gives me hope to live this life. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Angel. Uh, that, uh, it's been sacri- actually, it's been sacrificial of Angel to be willing to speak today because uh, in just a couple hours, and actually soon after the service, she heads to the airport and is flying to Toronto to be with family. She's going to be uh, sleeping at her mom's house tonight. And uh, Noah and I will join her uh, later this week and spend some holidays in Ontario, which is sad because it's like muggy and hot there right now. But uh, to conclude, um, so thank you, Angel, for sharing. Uh, Would you be open to praying a prayer of blessing over the families and marriages and relationships that we have in this room? Would you just, uh, let's pray together, shall we? Father, I thank you, Lord, that uh, family, marriage, relationships was your idea. So, Father, we pray Would you pour out your spirit upon us so that we could live this life the way you want us to live? Father, pour out your spirit, Father. Father, some here who are struggling and uh, feel like there's no hope for their marriage or their family relationships. But Father, I thank you, Lord. With you, there's always hope. Father, with you, there's always light. With you, there's always life. Father, I pray, Lord, even right now, would you brood over these people, Father. Your spirit would brood over these people, over us, Father. Father, where there is darkness and dysfunction and chaos and emptiness, Father. Father, as your spirit broods over, would you say, let there be light, and there would be light, Father. Father, where things are dead, where things seem like it's impossible, Father, I pray, would there be resurrection today? Father, would you begin the process of resurrection and life today, Father? Father, I pray, Lord, where... Uh, relationships are broken. Father, where there is forgiveness needed. Father, would you empower them? Father, I know, Lord, by our own spirit, we cannot forgive one another. So, Father, we pray, Lord, that your spirit would empower us to forgive so that we could walk in freedom, Father. Father, I thank you, Lord, with you. There is uh, rivers would flow on barren heights. So, Father, would rivers flow today? Would you do your work among us, Father? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.